0: Tennessee football is fun again. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 10th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. We're about to bring in Wes Rucker, reporter, columnist, writer for Go Vols 24-7, the 24-7 Sports Tennessee site. This is the most fun I've had watching a Tennessee Volunteers football team since Josh Dobbs, Space Dobbs, was out there. And I think a lot of Tennessee fans, and I live in Nashville, I know plenty of them. They deserve this after the Jeremy Pruitt years and after the transfer portal exodus, lost twenty five transfer transfer scholarship players. A lot of people thought six and six or five and seven. No one was really in love with the Josh Heibel hire. Here they are, the five and four chance to finish seven and five in the in the regular season. Yeah, I, I am chalking up this weekend's game against Georgia as a loss. The the dogs are 21 and a half point favorites, but this is a great story for Tennessee and it deserves some attention from us, especially since we we had Wes on a few times in January when Tennessee was getting ready to rid itself of Jeremy Pruitt. Of course, we also had on Tuesday night, the college football playoff rankings for the second week, but those rankings were revealed between the, the two late basketball games, the Champions Classic basketball games, and for our own personal sanity, we're just going to take a week off from reacting to those because that happened late. So this episode is all about Tennessee. And I, I think it's really interesting for for fans of college football in general, because like them or not, hate them or love them, college football is good when Tennessee is good. And we're not saying Tennessee is like really, really good, but they are good. And they are really, really fun. Here's Wes Rucker. Okay, Wes Rucker joins us right now. Wes, I'm going to guess that Tennessee is the happiest 5 and 4 team in college football. And I want to make it very clear. This is not a podcast episode that's going to do some sort of prediction on how Tennessee can beat Georgia or keep up with Georgia. This isn't what we're doing here. I just want to be fair because several months ago we've had you on a few times during the whole Jeremy Pruitt Palace intrigue and now that Tennessee's turned it around, I want to have you on to 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 gloat about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Tennessee is, is
1: definitely uh it, 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 I, I thought this team had a chance to be competitive. I thought it might be a six and six team. I had no idea that that hypo would be able to get what he's gotten out of this team with the lack of numbers that they have. I mean, that they, they are after they get through their first two inside linebackers, they're on, they're basically getting down to to, to some walk ons and stuff. Yeah, you know, they they played a couple games with a walk on right tackle. You know, they finished last week with their fourth string running back, and, and they're like, you know, their backup tight ends because the other guys were all hurt. You know, at one point against Florida, I think it was, uh, they needed a big first down at some point in the game, and they gave the ball to a fifth year, like the sixth guy on the running back depth chart uh, who came as a walk-on from a D3 school, and he ran behind a walk-on right tackle, and they got a first down. And it's just, I
0: mean, it's—I don't know that they can keep doing it forever, but it's—it's it's been fun to watch. Hey, just got to get through the last month. So they lost about twenty-five scholarship players. I—I I couldn't find anyone in Power Five who lost more. That was obviously the big storyline for Hypel, and then of course the the bigger storyline for Tennessee was Jeremy Pruitt and and the the Hypel hire, which no one was really like super blown away by. But a question about the the players who stayed, Wes? What's their mentality? I'm just gonna like imagine that you stay while everyone else leaves it's almost like a big middle finger to the world i'm going to play pretty damn well i'm going to play for this team for this program you guys can go leave you guys can all go to oklahoma if you want to but i'm going to stay here
1: yeah it's like you know you talk about adversity and and perseverance and we use these words a lot in sports we probably use them too much because you know there's things like You know, people battling COVID or cancer, like that's perseverance. These guys are playing ball. But in the sense of just purely athletics, there's not a lot you can throw at these guys that they haven't seen. I mean, they've that old family, that old guy and family guy who's like, man, I've seen some things and some stuff. You know, it's kind of like that a little bit. It's like at this point, they're like, you know what? What are you going to throw at me, world? You know, how many coaches are going to be here? How many players are we going to have? Let's just go, you know, YOLO. Let's go do it. And and so I think it's been fascinating because those who stayed. I think Hypel knew when he got there that there was just not a lot of trust within the program. You know, they, They've been through a lot. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I mean, Hendon Hooker came just in January or December, and he came to play for Jeremy Pruitt. That's how sudden some of this stuff is. And, and so there was a lot of mistrust there, a lot of confusion. But Heupel and his staff, they sort of, from day one, were like, listen, we're not going to ask you to trust us. We're just going to show you. So we're not asking you for anything right now. Just show up to work. You'll see what we're about. And I think we can do some things. And in spring, it looked terrible, would be a, a nice way to put it at times. Um, but they stuck with it. They believed in each other. They did some of those, you know, those old trust falls and those other little corny team bonding exercises. And they're a pretty tight-knit group now. And they they feel like that they can overcome things. Like last week was the worst their defense has played all season long. Period. Dot. End of sentence, end of paragraph, end of story. The worst they've ever played. They gave up a freaking fourth and 24. You know, late in the game, and they had already been on the field for like hundred snaps, and then it just it seemed like Tennessee for years. That's a game that, well, that that's done. That happened. Now that's there. There's the there's the catastrophe. It's over. But they got stops on the next four plays and won the game. They won a game when the opponent had six hundred twelve offensive yards, went twelve seventeen on third down, did not punt a single time. They won the game. It's just it's 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 mind blowing how they're able to do some
0: of these things. Oh, Wes! To be fair, those catastrophe games are when I always make sure to go to Goval's twenty four seven to read the the West Rucker column. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You've been doing that for ten years now, so you deserve something good to write about.
1: I say all the time. It's like, uh, and I learned probably eight or nine years ago to never ever say never on this beat and to never say that you've ever seen everything because, you know, you go from like, you know, just think about the past couple of weeks. You go from old Miss to that. It's never boring. It's many things. It's
0: never boring. Yeah, it reminds me of what the Florida State guys are going through too. Yeah, I had some known on the podcast a few before the season. I was like, look, Brandon, the good news is you won't be doing the rock bottom column and then they uh, they lost to an FCS team and he was doing the rock bottom column, but it, they're turning around. So Josh Heupel, when they hired him, it was at the end of another one of those crazy coaching searches, Wes. What were your concerns about him at at the time, and has he alleviated any of them yet?
1: You know, I knew from the beginning that his offense was going to score points because if you look at everywhere he's ever been, even at Oklahoma, when they had some staff changes and he was let go, that offense wasn't bad. It was just okay. Every other year, except for maybe that one year at Oklahoma, his offense has put up stupid numbers. I mean, you know, he got to Mizzou and they went immediately from like in in the 100s nationally in offense to like 13th and then top 10 and then like fourth. I mean, he, he, and he had an NFL quarterback there. Sure. But You know, his offense works. They they spread you wide, as wide as the field goes, but they mix that with a power run, a quarterback run, and they run more plays than anybody in the country per minute. I mean, they're the fastest offense in the country. I knew he was going to put points on the board. My question would be, for the long term, can he recruit in a place like Tennessee? And the jury's still out there, we'll see. Uh, But if not, can he develop players enough to go out there and and really compete with in the long run with the Georgias and Bamas and LSUs and Floridas in that tier? Because if you go to Tennessee and you run the program competently, like you just go there and do a solid job, not even great, just okay. You're going to roll the ball out there most of the time, and you're going to beat Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, that 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 group of teams there, Mississippi State, that, that whole tier. The question is, you, you got to do your job well to go beat that next tier. And Tennessee had a long way to go to build depth, especially after getting decimated in the portal. And I just wondered how quickly could he build a roster that could play his style of ball and be competitive. And, and I I did not expect, I mean, even that Florida game, There's one fourth down play in the third quarter where they drop a touchdown pass on fourth down, just a wide open, beautiful play call. Callaway drops the ball and then the game kind of spirals in the final 20 minutes. Alabama, that game is right there in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, it goes the wrong way and Bama just kind of explodes at the end. But they've been in every game they've played. I mean, they're they're a five and four team that was a bit unlucky to lose to Pitt and a bit unlucky to lose to Ole Miss, and then maybe a bit lucky to beat Kentucky. So, so you're looking at what they needed to do in year one. They're doing everything above and beyond what you could expect for year one. What you don't know is, well, okay, they're going to recruit enough to, to go build a roster where they can compete because you look at the recruiting rankings now and you say, no, mm, it's not a good start. But remember, they just now came out last week and said they weren't going to self-impose a bowl ban. And the NCAA is still going to do what it's got to do. And we'll see. I mean, the, 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 the turnstiles there move at a glacial pace. So who knows? But people have been really, really... Having an easy time negatively recruiting against Tennessee because the 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 disaster sort of is self explanatory and, and so now they've, they they can show their brand of football they can say okay we're not going to impose a bowl ban let's see how they finish in recruiting now I don't think they're going to be a top ten class or anything but I think they have a chance to finish okay uh, but they're going to have to develop players because Georgia Alabama the, those you know those programs they don't slow down and let you catch up. That's not how this works. You got to go hit a moving target and it's moving
0: at the speed of sound. So you got to go. Yeah, the ball is right now are number 32 nationally. Uh, more concerning would be 12th in the SEC. Well, I mean, yeah, my hunch I, there would be yeah, like they they're hit. They're not going to finish there. They're not going to finish yeah, there. No, no, no. Like my hunch would be, Wes, that they hit the portal. You talk about the trust thing. I think they just need to show, you know, the Hinden Hooker situation to all the players that they're recruiting out of the portal because when he left Virginia Tech, and I don't know if you've talked to him about this or what you've heard, but. His situation with Justin Fuente was not cool. Like it, I I thought I thought Hendon Hooker was totally damaged goods, and they've turned him around. Not to just competent quarterback that he always had in him as a highly ranked recruit. He's one of the best quarterbacks in college football now. Twenty one touchdowns, two picks, and I wonder if he's taught he's you know playing himself into an NFL future too.
1: Yeah, he might. Because, you know, the, the talk the whole time has been that, you know, he's got a super senior season next year if he wants it. But now, you know, Kuyper's got him in his top 10 NFL draft quarterback prospects. So he has a decision to make, you know, kind of like Elante Taylor and those guys. He's got a decision to make. And the thing about Hooker is it's not just that he's performed so well. It's that even Tennessee thought Joe Milton would be the guy. And in camp, Joe Milton was. Without question, I will go to my grave saying this because it's the truth. Joe Milton was the best quarterback on that team in preseason camp, and it was not close. And then the lights come on, and Milton's just okay. You know, he's not bad. People said he was bad. He was just okay. Yeah, He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. But then he goes down with that knee injury, and then he gets Wally pipped because Hendon Hooker steps in. And all of a sudden the thing is rolling and they have a lot of confidence in Hendon Hooker in that building. Uh, Javante Payton the other day, who's another great story, by the way, he came from Mississippi State where he wasn't doing much at all in that air raid offense. I mean, think about a wide receiver who can't get much going in an air raid. And then he comes to Tennessee and he's averaging what, like 26 yards a catch, six touchdowns already. You look at guys like Cedric Tillman, too. What they've gotten out of players... Is they've gotten about as much juice as they could squeeze out of this. And Hendon Hooker, it's not just that he's a pretty good player. It's that if you hear people talk about him in the building, you know, they talk about him being one of the most humble, mature guys they've ever been around. And I don't know. I can't speak to his situation at Virginia Tech. I know he had a. Uh, you know, the COVID scare that came up with like a heart issue that he might not be able to play again. And I know there were some issues there, um, but since he's been at Tennessee, they've had absolutely nothing, but not just good, wonderful things to say about him as as a person. And I think that's that's what makes what happened to Virginia Tech so interesting, especially when you look at how things are going now in, in, in Hokie Town.
0: So five and four, which already matches Jeremy Pruitt's win total in year one for him. We're not, you know, I'm not going to patronize anybody. I guess we'll say never say never about Georgia. But, Wes, it's looking like a very likely 7-5 regular season finish with a chance to go win a bowl game. I mean, to, if you can go 8-5 and five or even 7 and f- you know, 7 and, you know, I don't know. Uh, if you can win one of those two numbers of games in your first year with 25 guys transferring out, with the NCAA hanging over your head, in an SEC East, it's tough. I'm sure they'd like to have the Florida game back, you know, and play them again right now. Sure. I got to think, Wes... Like, we're going to be drumming up the hype machine in Rocky Top in a few months if if this goes as planned in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because even this week, like, I think we all know that whether it takes 15, 30, or 45 minutes, at some point, Georgia's is going to kind of put its foot down because that defense is putting up numbers that, frankly, I didn't think were possible in this era of prolific, you know, wide open offensive football. But I'll say this preparing for this Tennessee offense is like preparing. It's almost like a a service academy type thing, because what they do, really almost no one else does, at least at the pace they do it at. The only way that you can give your defense a decent look is if you play Ole Miss the week before, because you cannot get your scout team to understand what they do and run it as as crisply and efficiently as they do it. And so Tennessee is just obliterating opponents, even Alabama this year in the first quarter. That you just you have to adjust to what they do because it's kind of like one of those polar plunges. You know, you just you have to experience it to to understand what to do with it. So Tennessee could make things interesting for Georgia for a while. At Neyland, sold out rocking, hey, Georgia's gonna win the game almost certainly. But I think Georgia could get pushed in some ways it hasn't in a while. But yeah to to your point, seven and five, a regular season, you know, South Alabama's got a good defense and Fandy's in state. So interesting things happen from time to time, but I don't, I think we have what, five, four or five people on our staff. One person said seven and five, Grant Ramey did, and he'll probably hold that over our heads till the end of time knowing him. But the rest of us said six and six, because it just felt like a six and six team. but not only to potentially go seven and five, but to look as exciting as they have doing it. I mean, you don't have to, like Tennessee, you don't have to even like SEC football to watch their games and enjoy them because they had against Kentucky, I think five scoring drives that were less than a minute. I mean, that, that's like, it's a video game. It, it's crazy. And, and so you're not going to do that against Georgia, most likely. But every year, I mean, every game this, this year, they've had wide receivers running well behind the secondary every single game they've played. So this offense works and it's fun football. Now they need to get better athletes defensively. They need to do some things, but... They're, they're fun to watch and there will be a hype machine going. And that's interesting because, you know, if Hooker goes to the draft, we'll see you lose Valus Jones, Cedric, T- you know, we'll see, um, you know, Javante Payton's gone. So, so they're going to have to replace some guys, but I still think what they're doing, kids in the portal are going to know that. And they're going to look at what guys like Hooker and Payton have done immediately. And they're going to say, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good going there. So I can play in the SEC. I can get good pretty quickly. I can play in a fun offense. These kids aren't dumb. They know these things. So yeah, I mean, long story short, I think it's pretty easy to make an argument that things are getting better for Tennessee. The question just becomes, how good can it be? And that's
0: something we just, we can't know yet. Awesome stuff, Wes. We appreciate you, man. Anytime, Trey. You know that, man. Thanks to Wes for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at WestRucker247. Interested to see how that Tennessee offense, which is 25th nationally in yards per play fares against Georgia, which is, of course, is number one nationally defensively in yards per play and is the best defense we've seen in college football since at least 2011 Alabama. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.